Thanks for coming this morning. We're in full Christmas spirit already. Um, if you're a visitor, this is how ugly we usually dress. This is Anyway, we're coming here this morning to praise our Savior, but first what I want you guys to do is greet somebody around you. Flu season, don't hug, all right? Just a nice little handshake, then sanitize afterwards. And we're going to sing some Christmas songs here, uh, or a Christmas song before Nick comes and speaks to us this morning. Amen. Yeah. 
God, we, uh, we're here to celebrate and be glad and be joyous that we can sing of our Savior born, born to die, born to give us freedom, born to give us life, born to separate us uh, from darkness, Lord, to make us the light of the world because of Jesus, born so that we could no longer be slaves to sin, no longer be slaves to death, but God, that we do not fear death because we are free. And death only brings us into the presence of our Savior because Jesus was born. So thank you, Jesus, for being obedient to your Father and coming to earth out of glory. We love you. We thank you and we need you. And all God's people said, amen, you can have a seat. Except for, would all the ugly people please stand up? I'm just kidding. Everybody who's wearing a Christmas sweater, go ahead and stand up. See, Simon was the first one to get up. I mean, he's not the only ugly person in the world. He is very ugly. But uh, we got Jim. Jim, turn around so everybody can see that. I like that. All right. That's good. That's good. All right, um, see, a lot of you who are wearing sweaters, you just look good. You're not necessarily ugly. All right, Brent is ugly. Simon, he's ugly, all right? The rest of y'all just look good. Jim, this, you're in a category by yourself, I think. It's just, all right. Um, I want to introduce to you um, the 2015 Urbandale Fall Session Ferrell's Champion. My wife, Heather Reed. And what's so awesome about that is because last night when we were at, uh, at this party for Farrell's, um, her name gets called, and she, you can hear in the video, you can hear this like, <gasps> like she had no idea, which was perfect because when she got up there, she was completely overwhelmed with thankfulness to God. Right? And so, 150 or more people in a bar pretty much heard the gospel last night because my wife won Farrell's. I mean, that's awesome. She stood up there. <laughs> I, this is the one better result than me winning that was her winning that. Because she's a better preacher than I am. I would have gotten up there and fumbled the whole thing. But she pointed everybody in that room to Jesus. And the cool thing was that people responded to that. I mean, people, she said, she got up there and the first thing she said was, I thank Jesus. I, Jesus is my Savior. Right? She says that and somebody goes, yes. Like that. It was amazing. And people responded I mean, people were like, mm-hmm, people were clapping, all that stuff. The next person got up there and was all like, look at me, I'm awesome, the whole fitness thing. And we're like, We've already, we already know that stuff. We want your story. Nobody responded to that. People responded because people need hope. There's, there's like a void in people that when they hear a story of hope, that when they hear a story of someone who like was down on herself, 
and did not think about herself the way that God thought about her, but this whole process of getting physically fit helped her to think about herself better in a way that God thought about her, in a way that she needs to think about herself, and it's because of Jesus. For people to hear that, that's hope at Christmas time when people need to have hope, right? So that's awesome. The one better thing than me winning for me is my wife winning. That's awesome. I love it. I'm really glad that you're all here. But you need to know that you're here because God allowed you to get up this morning. He paved the way for you to get here, for you to be here safely, for you to make it through the night last night, for you to sleep last night, however good or bad you slept last night. He woke you up this morning and he got you here. So what that also tells me is that he wants to tell you something, that he wants to teach you something, that he wants to receive glory from your heart to his, and he wants to connect with you, and he doesn't want you to leave here the same. So my prayer for us, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that today you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Right? That's my prayer for you. You may have noticed that the room this year is not as decorated as normal. We usually have the, the garland and all that stuff around, the big tree up there and all that stuff. I want you to know it's not because we're lazy and didn't want to decorate. <coughs> That's not the reason why. Um, but as I thought about what God wanted me to share this year about Christmas, it really just made sense not to decorate. Because all the lights and all the decorations are good. I mean, when you come to my house, which all of you that are here this morning, anybody who's here this morning is invited to my house, 1230 to 4 o'clock for an open house, just because we love you and we want to say Merry Christmas and we want to have a good time together. But when you come to my house this afternoon, um, you'll notice we have three trees up, right? They're not all the same size, but they, there's three trees up in our house. We've got lights. We've got decorations. We've got the lights on the outside of the house. There's nothing wrong with having lights, they make us feel close. They make it a little easier to enjoy the holiday, right? I mean, seriously, I sit down. I have my coffee in the morning, and I sit down to read the Bible, and I sit down in this chair, and it's right next to the tree. And something just does not feel right about that tree when the lights are off, right? It feels like, why is there a dead tree in my house, right? When you turn the lights on, it's like, boom, it's Christmas. This is awesome. And my coffee tastes better. You know, the Bible reads better. I mean, it, it doesn't. I mean, just, it just reads good all the time. I'm just kidding about that. But decorations are good. It's fine. But I remember that big tree up there, right? A huge tree right there opposite the cross. And somehow in me, I just thought that tree stands in opposition to and in competition with that cross. But for a believer in Jesus... A cross is actually more of a symbol of Christmas than a tree is, right? One thing that's cool about a tree that Heather pointed this out to me, I just didn't know this yesterday. I mean, I know what an evergreen is, but she said this to one of our kids. You know what a, a, Chris, a tree, a Christmas tree stands for? It stands for eternal life because it's an ever, evergreen. So if you want to make that about Christmas, that's what you could tell your kids. That's what you could tell people because otherwise, the tree don't mean nothing. It's a good decoration. 
and it's helpful at Christmas time to take a good break. This is another thing I'll say. It's important for us to take a good break at Christmas time, right? Because most of you in the room, I think it's safe to say that most people in this room at Christmas time do not feel like you get a break, right? You're going from one house to the next. You're going from one family house to the next. You're doing Christmas here. You're doing Christmas there. You're traveling. You're doing all this stuff, and then Christmas is over, and it's like, what just happened? So we need to focus on taking a good break. If we can't take a good break at Christmas time, what's going to happen is we're going to get through Christmas time and never have made the main thing the main thing at Christmas. We'll have gotten presents. We'll have spent time with family. We'll have enjoyed the lights. We'll have done all of that stuff, but Jesus will have been overshadowed by everything that the world has made Christmas to be. And we'll go through it exhausted because our spirits will not be lifted up, right? My prayer this morning is that this season as a church, our affections would be stirred for Jesus. That we would overflow with thankfulness for our salvation. So what do we do? We don't say that all the lights and all that stuff are bad. We let the lights, we let the joy, we let the giving and the receiving of gifts lead us back to the fact that Jesus was generous to us in leaving heaven to come to earth and give us his life so that we could have life, right? So let it all, as you enjoy it, I want you to enjoy it as a family, right? That's why we do this stuff. That's why Jim has his shirt lit up. Because it's fun and we get to enjoy it, but let it point us to the main thing at Christmas time. So we're going to jump around from scripture to scripture this morning. Your best bet is just to watch the screen um, because you won't get to the next scripture in your Bible by the time I've read it. So just watch the screen. Um, if you want to try to keep up, you can, but I think you'll miss some stuff. We're going to start in Isaiah 7:14. Okay? Isaiah 7:14. Therefore. This is the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel, talking about what God would give to them. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Then in the New Testament, Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, I'm going to pause there. Some of you are thinking, how can, she, how can he be called her husband when they're not even married yet because they're just betrothed? Well, in that day, legally, an engagement was just as legally binding as a marriage, right? Today, it's a little easier Right? It's a little easier in the church. It's a little easier everywhere. If you're engaged and you have second thoughts about it, boom, you could just break that off. You were never legally married. But in that day, being engaged was as legally binding as being married. So they called Joseph her husband. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Also in that day, being engaged being as legally binding as marriage was, if a woman, right, if a woman betrayed that trust, 
of her husband sexually, she could have been publicly shamed and publicly executed, right? And her entire family would have been shamed and had a social stigma on them from that point on. So, so Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her and her family and risk her life, decided, you know what? We're just going to make this, this separation, this divorce quiet. Okay, so Joseph was a good man. Joseph was a just man, but he also, at that point, did not yet believe. He's thinking, there's one way to get pregnant, and so what else am I supposed to think in this moment, right? And then it says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She shall bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, what we just read. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That statement right there changed history forever. God, almighty God, came to be with broken humanity and live among us. Now here's the deal. From the time of that prophecy in Isaiah to the time of its fulfillment in Matthew, 700 plus years. That blows my mind because the only way that that is possible is if it's from God, right? How do you guess that? You don't. The Spirit of God revealed this to Isaiah, and it came true. So we know that the birth of Jesus is absolutely from God. But here's what I want us to remember. Think back a few weeks ago when Patty shared her story. If she had a thousand wishes... She would not wish for her husband Jack to come back to life. Why? Because he's in heaven. He's in the presence of God. He's in the presence of Jesus. His spirit is enjoying the presence of Almighty God. Right? And if he was to come back to earth, he would be coming back to a broken, fallen, suffering-filled world. And she loves him more than that to wish that on him, right? But then it led her thoughts to think about Jesus and how Jesus willingly came out of heaven because this was the plan of his Father to save you and me, to give you and me a chance to go to heaven for eternity. He willingly gave up heaven to come down to earth where suffering exists, where death exists, all of that. So here it is. Here's what I want you to remember from this service. If you remember anything, remember this one thing. Jesus came out of glory to give us what we could never earn ourselves. Jesus came out of glory to give to us what we could never 
earn ourselves. I mean, think about that. The, the Bible describes heaven as a place where Jesus wipes away all of our tears. It's not just that we cry and then he wipes them away. It's that we have dry eyes because there are no tears in existence left. Tears come from what? Sadness, brokenness. They're gone. He has wiped away all of our tears. And in heaven, it's a place where there is no suffering, physically or emotionally. There is no pain. There is death. There is no death. It is literally a place where death does not exist. Death was defeated once and for all, even for us on earth right now. Physical death exists, but death itself was defeated when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus rose from the grave, <laughs> he put death to death. That's amazing. Heaven is a place where death never existed. Where there is no death, there is no pain, there is no suffering. And that's what Jesus decided to come out of. He traded that for all of the dirtiness and the sickness and the suffering that we know on a regular basis. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, right? I mean, this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. That's what Christmas is all about. Emmanuel, that God came to live with us. Now, when the angel told Joseph... What to name Jesus? He said, name him Jesus for what? He will what? Loudly. Save his people from their sins. So even at Jesus' birth, the reason that he came to earth in the first place was on God's mind. The reason I am sending my son to earth is to die. Right? To die to give us what? Eternal life, but not just eternal life. Abundant life while we live on this earth. A life where in the midst of suffering, we are free from the penalty of sin and death. We are free to suffer in Jesus. We are free from sin. We are free from guilt. We are free from all of that. We're not free of suffering. But we're free to suffer well. Nobody else can say that. Nobody else in the world can say that. Except those who have Jesus as their Savior. I think that's the reason why, number one, that's the first thing that Heather said last night when she won. Jesus is my Savior. Because everything else in life is built on that one foundation. The only way that I can live differently from the world in how I respond to pain and how I respond to suffering and how I respond to all the dirtiness and the sin and the corruption and the destruction of this world, the only way that that happens is if Jesus Christ is my foundation and I can say that Jesus is my Savior. So at Christmas, God has come to be with us. But why? If we just celebrate Jesus' birth without Jesus having died later on in his life, then his birth isn't really worth much, is it? Yes, we would have a God who came to earth and could identify with our struggles, but we would still be in our sins. So for me as a Christ follower, 
What do I need to be at Christmas? What do I need to do at Christmas? I need to let my heart overflow with thankfulness for my Savior, Jesus Christ. And Christmas becomes more about my salvation than even just about celebrating Jesus' birth, right? That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the fact that you can be saved. That's amazing. I'm going to go on a little tangent here. But really to dig into and ask the question, if all that's true, like what are we supposed to do? As people who say that we love Jesus, as people who follow Jesus, as people who want to live out the kingdom values of Jesus' kingdom at Christmas time, right? How do we do that? Well, if you've been on Facebook within, and if you've been on Facebook at all within the past couple months, this is probably really like annoying you by this time. But the Starbucks Red Cup, right? Can we show a picture of that? Starbucks Red Cup, right? You ever, do they still do on Channel 13 What's Bugging Andy? They still do that? I, I don't watch TV much, but this is going to be like What's Bugging Nick type thing, okay? This Starbucks Red, red Cup bugs the bejeebies out of me. Here's why. Because Christians all over the place are frustrated that they took Christmas off of the Starbucks Red Cup. Now, I would disagree because red and green are the two worst colors to ever put together in the world, but they represent Christmas. I mean, just think about it. Red and green. Who else agrees with me that's ugly? Okay, I'm by myself with that. (laughs) All right. It's ugly, people. Red and green. It's nasty. I know my wife agrees with me. Anyway. What'd they take off of that cup? They took off reindeer, they took off snow, they took off sleighs, they took off all that stuff. And we're mad at that. Like, why are we mad at that? Because those things, believe it or not, are not symbols of Christmas for a Jesus follower. Those are symbols of Christmas for the world. Those are symbols of Christmas for what Everyone who doesn't believe in Jesus has made Christmas to be. They're not bad things, but I don't understand why we're mad at it. And secondly, I've never heard Starbucks claim to be a Christ-following company, right? Therefore, I'm not going to ever stop buying Starbucks coffee, because no offense, Patty, but it's better than Caribou. I'm just kidding. She's like, (laughs) we're going to have words after this. She works at Caribou, so um, don't boycott Caribou. Buy from only her store, because all the rest of them are terrible. Um, But Starbucks, it's good stuff. But this is a prime example of what I think Christians in many places around the world, and mostly at Christmas time, expect non-Christians to live up to Christian values. Right? Right? You can't say Christmas anymore in public schools in some places. Why? Because it's the world. But why are we mad at that? Like, we should have expected this, right? You can't say Christmas. Okay, well, you can still say Christmas in your house. You still believe in Jesus. You can say Christmas, right? Why are we mad at this stuff? How do we celebrate Christmas for what it really is to make the main thing the main thing 
to make our celebration at Christmas be centered around the birth and the death and therefore our salvation at Christmas without condemning what the rest of the world has made Christmas to be, right? Because we've already determined the lights, the decorations, the giving of gifts and the receiving of gifts, none of that is bad. It's actually all real fun and it's okay, listen, listen, it's okay for us to do that stuff, right? But how do we, in the midst of all of that, be different and shine a light into a dark world at Christmas time without condemning what everyone else has done? Because our goal, really our goal, if our goal is to love God, love people, if our mission at Creekside Church is to lead people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ, if that's it, how do we love on people at Christmas time to lead them to hope when there is no hope? Remember, Jesus came out of glory to give to us what we could never earn for ourselves, right? The, the key to that is he came out of glory, and secondly, Give us the thing that we could not earn ourselves. I think as believers, we need to be reminded of that on a regular basis. What I have in salvation, I could not earn. There is nothing I could do that could earn my salvation. It has nothing to do with what I've done. It has nothing to do with how good I am. It has nothing to do with how much money I gave. It has nothing to do with how well I loved. All of that stuff is great. But if it's not driven by a motivation from salvation, then it's meaningless. That's what Christmas is all about. John 1.14 says this, And the Word, the Word is Jesus in that verse, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Matthew twenty twenty eight, the Son, that's Jesus, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So, how should we be on mission at Christmas? Don't get upset that the world doesn't celebrate it like we do. Don't get upset that when you leave these walls, it's no longer about Jesus, right? Don't get upset about that. But let's be sure on a daily basis to be faithful with what God has put in our hands, right? I heard it said this way once, and I love this, this picture. But let's be faithful to occupy our street. And I don't just mean go door to door in your neighborhood, which is not a bad idea at all, to go meet your neighbors, right? At Christmas time, do you know your neighbors' names? That's a good question to ask. Do I know my neighbors' names? And if you don't, go learn your neighbors' names, right? But occupy your street means what relationships does God have you in on an everyday basis? Who are you rubbing shoulders with on a daily basis that you can not condemn what they do at Christmas, but illuminate what you believe at Christmas? 
What street does God have you on? What has God put in your hand to be faithful with? Here's the problem. The problem is not an unbelieving world, a non-Christian world, not celebrating Jesus at Christmas. The problem is when Christians do the same thing. The problem is when Christians celebrate Christmas only like the world celebrates it. Again, there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. But if we leave out (laughs) the main thing as the main thing, our salvation, that's the problem. That's the problem. We have a message at Christmas time that changed the very course of human history. Y'all know who Penn and Teller is? I heard this one time. I think it was Penn. He's, a, he's an atheist. Um, uh, and he said this. I've said this before in here. But he said, if you believe there is a God, which there's not, but if you believe there is a God, this is him, I'm quoting this, I believe there is a God. If you believe there is a God, which there's not, uh, and you know the one way to get to heaven... How much would you have to hate someone not to share that with them? Think about that. Think about that. How much would you have to hate somebody not to share hope with them where there is no hope? How much would you have to hate to somebody to not tell them how to have eternal life? If we can make the main thing the main thing at Christmas time, then we will have generous hearts then we will be able to go out and love on people. If we can make the main thing the main thing, then we will be effective at changing our street. Then we will be effective at seeing people who have no hope be given hope. But so often at Christmas time, we're so busy and we're so strained with the rush of Christmas that we don't make the main thing the main thing, and then all we've done is we've celebrated Christmas just like the rest of the world. What is your hope at Christmas time? What is your hope at Christmas time? The main thing is Emmanuel, that God himself in his son came to be with us. That's our celebration At Christmas, Jesus came out of glory to give to us what we could never earn for ourselves. That's salvation. I want to share a little story uh, with you about Santa Claus. He's real, Chris Hahn. He's real. (laughs) He just looked at me like, you just ruined it for me. He's real. Okay? But the details around who he is and how he became who he is are a little foggy. So I'm going to share that with you. It starts with a a boy. His name was Nicholas. He was an only child. This is a true story, okay? Even if I sound like I'm telling it like it's a a fictional story, it's just because I read kids' books, okay? But this is a true story, all right? Nicholas was an only child, and he was raised by his parents as a young boy to love God, and they were devoted to raising him as a man of faith. They actually made a vow to God, that if God would give them a son or a child, that they would devote and dedicate that child's life to the service of God, okay? And so Nicholas was an answer 
to their prayer for a child. But when Nicholas was young, his parents died from what in that time was called the sickness. It was like the plague of that time. And so he was raised most of his adult life, most of his older life, uh, from like older elementary school on by his uncle. And one night in a vision, in a dream, his uncle had a vision And he was told that Nicholas would become a great man of God and a leader in the church. And as Nicholas grew up, he took that call to follow God very seriously. And he had a relationship with Jesus. He was madly in love with Jesus. He had salvation, and he desired to dedicate his life to God's service. And one day when Nicholas was reading scripture, he was reading uh, the story about how the young rich man came to Jesus and said, what do I still need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you need to sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, right? And so, like the rich man in heaven, I mean, like the rich man in the Bible, Nicholas was very wealthy because when his parents died, they were very wealthy and he inherited all their money, okay? So Nicholas had a lot of money, but unlike the rich man in the Bible, who did not go away happy because he did not want to sell all his stuff and give to the poor because then he would suffer loss physically on this earth, right? Nicholas actually, think about this, he actually took that literally. Imagine that. He took it literally. He sold everything he had. He gave away his money, and he served the poor. So this is the legacy that Nicholas leaves. In the process of doing this, as Nicholas grew up, he decided he really wanted to dedicate his whole life to God and not be distracted by anything else. He went and became a monk. Nicholas became very well known for his generosity to the poor and the needy as a lover of Jesus. But under the rule of Diocles, he was imprisoned and persecuted for Jesus, and then he was released under the rule of Constantine. So he knew suffering for the sake of Jesus. He knew what that meant. And following the time of his release under the rule of Constantine, Nicholas was offered to be ordained as the archbishop, but he refused specifically because he wanted to have free time to actually physically go and spend time with orphans and the needy, and the poor, and the homeless, and provide for them as much as he possibly could. So how do we get from there, right? So this is St. Nicholas, okay? St. Nicholas. We've heard that Santa Claus is also St. Nicholas. But how do we get from that? A follower of Jesus, madly in love with his Savior, taking Scripture literally to go and serve the poor and the needy with all of his possessions. How do we get from that to what Santa Claus is known as as in the world today? Well, here's the deal. In that day, a woman had to pay a dowry to be able to get married, right? So she had to literally go, and she had to pay money to purchase a husband. And if she didn't have the right amount of money to purchase a husband, it was a marriage dowry that they had to to pay. If they didn't have that money, then all the women that didn't have that money were subject to slavery. Okay, so if if you came of a certain age and you didn't have the money to buy a husband, you would become a slave in someone's household. 
And so there was three women that Nicholas knew, and he knew that they did not have anywhere close to the amount of money that uh, they needed to buy a husband. And so what he did was one night while they were sleeping, he visited all of their homes, and in the window he left a bag of gold, which was the exact amount of money that each of them needed to pay the marriage dowry. So what he essentially did was he saved them from a further life of slavery, allowing them to get married and have a good life, right? That's, that's literally where, in Nicholas's life, his de- devotion to feeding the poor, to helping the needy, to caring for orphans, and this story of how he came overnight to these three ladies to save them from slavery, that's where, that's literally, I mean, it was that simple. That's where we get this gift giver who comes overnight while we're asleep. That's St. Nicholas. That's Santa Claus. So Santa Claus is real, but I think sometimes, I'm fairly certain, sometimes the details of what Santa Claus stood for in his actual life on earth get left out. (laughs) Because to say that jolly old Saint Nick is just a happy fat man who loves kids and loves to provide um, gifts for you at Christmas... And to use that, I've used it, like we use the elf on the shelf. It's like an abuse of uh, good things at Christmas time. But to say, hey, you want to get coal at Christmas? You better stop what you're doing, you know? I mean, you use that against your kids. It's not good. Don't do that. But we do it because we need sanity. So how should that change our perspective at Christmas time? I mean, how can we use that to change the way we think at Christmas time. Generosity is good. Giving and receiving gifts is good. But let's let all of that lead us to a place where we are generous because of what Christ's love has meant to us and we need to share his love with a lost and dying world. St. Nicholas was a lover of of Jesus. And if he was alive today, what do you think he would say to the fact that the world has made Christmas more about him than about Jesus? What do we think he would say? Because this is a man who absolutely loved Jesus. Again, the problem is not when the world celebrates Christmas the way they celebrate it. The problem is when believers, is when Christ followers, Celebrate it the same way. And we forget completely that the cross is more of a symbol of Christmas than a Christmas tree. We're going to take communion and just take some time to really remember why we celebrate Christmas. Again, if Jesus didn't grow up and die, then Christmas is not worth much. Then his birth is not worth much much because we're still in our sins. Emmanuel, God came to be with us. The band's going to come back up while I read a few more scriptures, but Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest 
who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We have a God who knows us so well because he knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be tempted as a person. He knows what it's like to be tempted to sin, but not sin. (laughs) He knows what it's like to suffer on this earth. He knows your heart. He knows your hurt. And so whatever you have lost, whatever you are suffering now at Christmas time, my prayer for you this Christmas is that you can rejoice in the midst of that. Is that you can be joyful about what God has given you. All right? And I'll go back to Patty. Like, Patty is so thankful that her husband is without suffering in heaven and would not wish for him to come back. That's finding joy in an impossible situation. Matthew 5, 17, do not think, Jesus says this, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And then in John nineteen thirty, it says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is, it is finished. Some translations say accomplished. It is accomplished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Here's the deal. Until Jesus comes back and heaven and earth pass away, the holy requirement for our salvation will be the perfect fulfillment of the law. Is there a person alive on the planet that could ever perfectly fulfill the law? Here's what this is saying. Jesus is saying, The standard is still the same. If you want to get to heaven, perfectly follow the law, period. And his disciples at some point say that who can be saved then? Who can be saved? Because we know that that's impossible because Romans 3.23 says, For all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of of God. That it's impossible to keep the standard. So what happened? At Christmas time, Jesus was born to this earth to solve that problem forever. (laughs) That's something to celebrate, right? That's something to smile about. That is something to be joyful about at Christmas time because when Jesus was born, he was not just born in a manger. He was born in a manger and Satan started attacking immediately, trying to have him killed. But the plan of God from the beginning was to redeem all of us through the blood of his son, Jesus. So he was born to die to give us our salvation. So this Christmas, and as we start now in remembering Jesus through the bread, his body broken for us, and the cup represents his blood poured out for us, remember at Christmas time, not just the birth of Jesus, but our salvation 
Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that Christmas results in our salvation. Thank you that God came to be with us. Thank you that Jesus knows all the ins and outs of being human. God, I beg you, I pray that as we remember Jesus now, as we remember the sacrifice that he made for us, I pray that that's where our affections would be stirred in this season. That in our homes, that on our streets, we would occupy our street with the gospel. Be glorified now as we remember you, Jesus.
song we're going to sing together um, before we leave is called Good Good Father and um, you may think that's not a Christmas song but it is um, because when Jesus came to earth to be born there's two things that I think he had on his mind number one obeying his father and giving glory to his father in heaven and number two it was you and one of the things and I just thought this was so beautiful about last night. And Heather was surprised by the fact that she won. And she went up and she said, Jesus is my Savior and he's taught me a few things. <laughs> I was like, Wait, good job putting it lightly. But then she went on to say that she struggled for a long time to see herself as worth it. To see herself as special. 
to, to see herself the way that God sees her. And if we can't see ourselves the way that God sees us, is that if you were the only person alive, Jesus still would have come to be born, and he would have lived, and he would have died for your eternal soul. That's how much he loves us. And that's where we go on Christmas, is to be able to sing what we're about to sing, that he is a good father. That's who he is. And what am I? I am absolutely loved all the time, no matter what. So let's sing this together at Christmas time.